The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. At this point in our series in the book of Job, we're beginning to see some of Job's pride creep in. Job believes that he's been wronged by God, and he believes he has a case before God, and in many ways he believes he's better than he really is. Now don't get me wrong, we don't need to be too hard on Job. Job has not done what his miserable comforter friends think he's done, He has not committed some egregious sin that's caused all of these troubles to come upon him. In fact, according to God's own testimony, Job was living more righteously than anyone else in that day. However, no man is sinlessly perfect, and Job certainly wasn't. So today we're focusing in a little bit more on Job's pride and self-righteousness. This pride and self-righteousness seemed to permeate the religious worship in his day, because his friends certainly had much more of it than he did. And it may be that this pride and self-righteousness is one of the reasons God suffered the hedge to be removed to a certain extent around Job. We will see ultimately that there was no pride left when this trial was over. So join us today as we begin looking at the pride of Job, which will lead us up to Elihu's response. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Job chapter 32. Job chapter 32. I know you'll say, those of you that have been following, that we're skipping a bunch of chapters, and we are, but we're not really skipping them. We're going to come back to them. But in Job chapter 32 and verse 2, we read this. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barachel, the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram, against Job was his wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God. You may recall that um, from the beginning of this series, we've said that there are basically um, three main themes, patience, pride, and pity. And we took some of that from James chapter 5 and verse 11 where he tells us, you've heard of the patience of Job, and certainly there was much patience dis displayed by Job, and that patience was keeping on, keeping on, and in many ways contending rightly for what the Lord, uh, for the truth about the Lord, but, but as it went on, you began to see, and we've begun to see, um, Job losing sight of some of the truths that we know now to be true. Now, you can't blame Job too much because, first of all, he was suffering. I just want to say to you, if you ever run across somebody who's in deep pain and suffering or deep grief of spirit, maybe it's not physical, maybe it's spiritual, don't hold it against them, what they say in those hours. I've had my own family before that would lash out and say things that they would regret saying later because they were hurting so. They were in so much distress. So remember that when we're dealing with those that are in pain. But see, Job is, is experiencing this deep distress. And the further along he gets in it, it looks, you can almost see his thinking unravel. And you can see the problems of life, the, the problems rather of his nature. You can see the problem, the problems that are inherent in him as a human coming out. And one of those, one of those problems is pride. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, Lord being our helper, is Job's pride and self-righteousness. Now, we said also that pride, in one sense, has to do with the pride that God felt in what Job was doing right. Job was doing many things right. In fact, he was doing it more right than anybody else in the world in that day. God said so himself. He said, there's none like him. But that didn't mean he was perfect. That didn't mean he was sinless. Also, we've got to cut Job a little bit of slack because he doesn't have the scriptures. Job is writing the scriptures with his life. <laughs> this is the first book of the Bible that's been written down, you see. And Job is writing the scriptures. But he gets a lot of it right, but he gets much of it wrong. So what Elihu says here in great respects is true. He says, 
He's angry at Job because Job was justifying himself rather than God. In other words, Job was, in Elihu's opinion at least, he was taking up for himself too much uh, and not just casting himself wholly upon the Lord. Now, I want to say this about Elihu before we go any farther because I, I think next time we'll be talking about him. It might be one time after that, but... Uh, but Elihu is one of these friends of Job who is much younger. He's, he's a much younger man than Job, according to his own testimony here, and much younger than these other three friends that Job calls miserable comforters. And he's going to tell us a little bit about that. I, basically, he says here in chapter 32, I've been keeping my mouth shut because I'm younger than y'all, and I didn't want to say anything, speak up, until the older and wiser men had spoken. But he goes on to say, I don't see much wisdom here uh, on either side. He's basically angry at all of them, that, that Bildad and uh, uh, Zophar and Eliphaz uh, are, are not uh, convincing Job in the right way and not saying the right things, and Job himself is not doing the right thing. So this young man, I, and it, it reminds me of some young men I've known. It reminds me of one young man I know real well. <laughs> Back when I was young and full of vigor and zeal, and sometimes us younger guys, as I used to be, would speak up when they maybe shouldn't and get all worked up when maybe they ought to just kind of, you know, hang back. Elihu would, would have been better off, even though he gets many things right, to have still kept his mouth shut as well. That, that's my assessment. That's, Chris, that's Pastor Chris McCool's assessment, okay? I, you know, God can, may correct me one day when I get to heaven, but I believe Elihu, if he had done what he should, would have just stayed on the sideline and just prayed for Job. So Elihu is, we're going to see, he's, he's wrought up. There's, there's one point where he says, it's like wine, new wine, that's, that's uh, put in bottles. You remember Jesus said, you don't put new wine in old bottles because it'll burst. And the reason for that is, is, during the fermentation process, the pressure builds up, you know, and the gases are released, and, and the pressure builds up, and it'll burst those old, old wineskins, or it'll certainly burst a wineskin that's been patched, you know. He says at one point, my belly is like wine that has no vent. He said, I just can't keep quiet. I've got to say something. So Elihu gets it, I would say, righter than the others, but even he doesn't get it all just right. We'll get back to him later, but tonight... I want us to take, take a little stroll through these last verses, chapters 20 through 31, which have to do with Job responding to the second and in some cases third attack by his so-called friends. And what I want us to see here is Job's pride. Ultimately, I think we'll be able to conclude you know, that, that one of the reasons the Lord suffered these troubles to come upon Job was to refine him as gold is refined, to try him as silver is tried, and to just sort of cut away the pride that was still a problem, the self-righteousness that even affected Job. You know, we can't always figure out why God's doing things, and every time you're afflicted, it's not because God's in it. Sometimes um, you know, it is chastening, but, but oftentimes, let me just say, always, 
the Lord is there protecting you, but he's also guiding you in the sufferings of life. You know, we want to be careful not to blame God for the sufferings, but we also need to understand that providentially God is refining us by suffering us to go through these things, these trials. So let's talk about Job's pride. From about chapter 20 on, and we've seen some glimpses of it already, we're beginning to see some of the problems that Job has. You remember, uh, you don't have to turn there, but the, pro the writer of Proverbs in uh, chapter 16 and verse 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you go, to, you go back to the sixth chapter of um, Proverbs at one point, he talks about seven things God hates, and the first thing has to do with pride. Arrogance. God hates that. He hates it when we become lifted up in pride. And, and we all have that problem. Let me tell you, we, every one of us, you say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very humble person, Brother Chris. And in fact, I'm very proud of my humility. <laughs> okay? You ever been there? I've seen people that are so proud of being humble that they're prideful. <laughs> you see, if you're not careful, we can even turn humility into something bad. Boy, we're, we're corrupt, aren't we, and depraved? <laughs> But my point is we've all got that problem. It's, and pride is just self-focus. It's just focusing upon ourselves and what we want and, and thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. I want to say this about pride and, and make sure we understand the condition Job was in was not like the condition of the, the Israelites before the Babylonian captivity. If you recall... In Isaiah chapter 3, in about verse 8, God begins to deal with them through the mouth of, uh, of Isaiah. Uh, and he accuses them of being very prideful. Pride was one of the biggest problems they had. And in verse 8 of Isaiah chapter 3, God, through the mouth of Isaiah, says, Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. The show of their countenance doth witness against them. And listen to this. And they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. So Judah had gotten into a situation where they were arrogantly prideful and opposed to God. And sometimes in many ways we can see our nation that way. You know, sometimes we focus on certain sins in our nation and they are bad, they are sin, they're sinful, they're exceeding sinful. But the problem with, with the sin that we see in our world, the fornication that we see uh, promoted on, on TVs and in movies, it's just, it's just always there. It's, uh, you, know, you know, sometimes we, we get to focusing in on homosexuality, but homosexuality is just fornication. That's all it is. It's an extreme version of it, but it's just fornication. That's all it is. And we're at a point in our nation where we're glorifying all sorts of sin, uh, you know, I've always told I've told you this, I know, so many times, and I, I don't mean this as casting against my mother. <laughs> uh, I love my dear mother. She's precious. And, uh, but uh, if you're not careful, uh, all of us can get caught up in feelings. And uh, I remember the time when they went to this, uh, um, she and Daddy went to the movie uh, The Prince of Tides. It was, a, it was a pretty good movie, you know, and, and in the movie... It was about a coach who went from a country setting to New York City uh, because of a problem with his sister. 
and began to meet with his sister's psychiatrist and ended up falling in love with her and had an affair with her. And, and the whole movie was about the affair between the psychiatrist and the coach. And, and, and ultimately, the coach went, I don't mean to spoil it for you. There's a spoiler here. Close your eyes, your ears if you, hadn't, uh, if you don't want to hear it. But, but anyway, ultimately, uh, the coach goes back home to his family. And, and their love affair ends, okay? Well, I can remember mom saying, telling us about it later. She said, you know, when we left the theater, I said, oh my goodness, I hate that so bad that they didn't get together there at the end. And daddy looked at her and he said, well, you know, Diane, I'm kind of glad he went back home to his family like he ought to. <laughs> but you see, my point is, is that even we can get caught up in this and be, uh, be, be, uh, motivated by our feelings about things and some of the things we see in the world are just you know they're packaged in such a way that it makes you feel uh, like oh I just want to support this person or that person or this situation but we have to measure it by the word of God you see we have to measure it by what the word of God says and what they were doing here in in Jerusalem in the days before the Babylonian captivity is they were declaring their sin. That's what was happening in Sodom. It wasn't that there was, uh, there, was, there was fornication of that type going on down there. It was that it was broadcast and it was accepted. The same thing in the time of leading up to the Babylonian captivity. Not just that, but there was also a time there where, uh, uh, where there was uh, Manasseh was the king who made his sons to pass through the fire. He made his children to be sacrificed to that god Molech, that Baalish god over there. And God hates the sacrificing of innocent blood. And see, it wasn't that some sacrifice and murder occurred. It's that it was the law of the land. That's been the problem, I believe, I believe, with our nation, is that now the law of our land goes against what the Bible says. So where is God in this, in this situation? Well, according to chapter 3 here, and I didn't mean to get off preaching on this tonight, but let me just follow it down this rabbit trail just a little bit further. It says in chapter 3 that one of the judgments that he's going to bring upon them is that in verse... Uh, uh, Verse 1, he says, he says, I'm taking away from Judah and Jerusalem the stay and the staff, that is the things they can rely on, the resources, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient. And he talks about the captain of 50, the honorable man, the counselor, the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator. He said, I'm taking away all the people you can count on. I'm taking away all the wise men from the land. And I will give thee children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. I just want to ask you, as we conclude this little rabbit trail, what do we see in our nation today? Who's ruling over us? You know, there was a time, when you look back on some of these old these presidents and these leaders of Congress, there was a time Sam Rayburn was a Speaker of the House. You know where Sam Rayburn went to church? Primitive Baptist Church out in Texas. All these, all these men that were that we could look up to, what do we have now? We got children. We got babes. We got people that just yeah, yeah, back and forth. And we don't have anybody that we can really seemingly look up to. What's happened? Well, maybe, just maybe, because we're declaring our sin like Sodom, God has said, you know, I'm just gonna take away those wise counselors and I'm going to let, let the babies and the children rule over you. Now, 
I, I don't want to just cut that off completely and let us go home in despair. I just want to say that if you remember, God did protect his children even in Babylon. Even in Babylon. I mean, there was, he did some of the greatest miracles of the history of Israel while they were in Babylon. He, he shut the mouths of lions. He absolutely destroyed the power of fire. See, there were so many things he did. He gave the most detailed prophecy of the coming Messiah to a man named Daniel who was in captivity in Babylon. So let's not get too much in despair, but just understand this may be what's happening to our nation today. Okay, back to, let's get back to the farm here. Notice what he says here though. The problem is their pride. They declare it like Sodom. Now, I got to this point because I want you to understand that is not where, where Job is. That is not where Job is. Job is not this kind of prideful. He's not rebelliously prideful. He's not, he's not declaring his sin. He's trying to be a good man. And he's done a pretty good job of it. But here's the problem. Even with those who are trying to be a good man or a good woman, is if you're not careful, especially in the midst of the suffering, you'll let the pride slip out. So let's look at it here. Okay, the first thing we see that's a problem with Job is he believes that the source of his suffering is God. He believes he has been wronged by God. You remember back over in chapter 12 of Job in about verse Seven. Let's look at that just a second. In verse 7, he's talking about the beasts. He said, Ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. He's, he's answering uh, uh, this attack here by Zophar by referring him to creation. But notice here in verse 9, Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Now he's right about that, as long as he keeps it in the context of the fact that God is the creator. But I believe here we're beginning to see Job slip into this thinking that, well, God is causing everything that I see to happen around me. In fact, if you're not careful, that's really absolutism. And that's kind of where he's headed. And that's what the absoluter does. The, the one who believes in the absolute predestination of all things basically blames God for everything that happens. I know they will deny it. I know there are many who want to talk to him. Well, no, God works it in such a way to where he's not the cause. You know, it can't be blamed for sin. But, but if you believe he predestinated everything that happened, you cannot escape the logical conclusion that God is the cause of sin. You see? In fact, that's what you'll hear the extreme absoluters say is that God predestinated Adam to commit that sin over there so he could show his glory in the salvation. Now I can take you to several verses to disprove that, but especially Romans 5:19, where he says, by the disobedience of one many were made sinners, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. If that was God predestinating him to do it, it was obedience and not disobedience. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com.
That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.